Growing up, priests were probably the last people on earth I ever wanted to talk to. They always seemed so distant, so different. In one way, I was in awe of them because I grew up Catholic in St. Louis and it's a very Catholic area and we went to Catholic school, so priests were kind of always in my life. But at the same time, they were so other because they lived so differently and in such a different way of life than everyone else that I knew. And so shortly after college, when all of a sudden in my own life and in my own heart, I realized that those thoughts, maybe I should be a priest, were, were real, and that I should do something about that, I had no idea what to do, because I was still afraid of talking to priests. And so I called the priest who I knew, for, I went to a small college, we didn't have four priests on staff. By the way, we are, I, I mean, maybe I look scary, the other guys are really nice, but we, we're here for you, so if you ever want to talk to a priest, come talk to us, we're normal people after all. Uh, striving to love Jesus. But I called the priest who I knew from college, who I'd, I'd gotten together with a few times a year throughout college. He had been the vocation director in the diocese where I went to college. I wasn't discerning at the time, but we would talk about life and, and those kinds of things. And, and I had called him because after, really, frankly, a few weeks of chastity and sobriety and the lucidity that comes from being in a state of grace for more than 24 hours, I was ready to just see where God was calling me to go with my life. And so I called, and we were talking, and I was telling him, you know, you know, I've mentioned that I was interested in the priesthood. I really think I should take the next step. But I told him his name is Father Mike. I said, Father Mike, I don't know what to do because I just, I'm never going to be as holy as you or any other priest. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something to the effect of, Patrick, none of us are as holy as you think we are. Yes, we've been called to this life, but each one of us is called to a life of continuous conversion. Each one of us has skeletons in our closet. Each one of us is still broken in so many ways, and yet we rely more and more on the grace of God in our lives. And in that moment, it was so liberating, so freeing for me, because in many ways I felt like that first son in the reading from today's God, or excuse me, the second son, where I had said yes to God, I look like the Catholic that everyone thought was out there. I would go to Mass every Sunday. I was living and teaching in a Catholic school, living a very simple life. So everyone would have thought I had everything together. But I wasn't that way at all on the inside. And left to my own accord, I was choosing sin constantly. And yet what he was telling me is that we're all called to be like that first son. Because regardless of what we say, what the Lord looks to is our hearts and to our actions. And each one of us has fallen short. But each one of us is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Each one of us is loved in our brokenness. And each one of us will be saved because we are sinners. Today, October 1st, we celebrate in the church. Normally, it's a Sunday, so we don't celebrate her liturgically. But St. Therese of Lisieux. One of the just the most beautiful, wonderful saints, this little flower. And in her autobiography, The Story of a Soul, she writes about how when she, when she first entered the Carmelite monastery as a young girl, she was only 15, she made a general confession. And the priest was in awe of her because she had never committed a mortal sin. Would that that were so for all of us. But yet you read her diary and you see that even though she recognized in her own life 
the grace that had allowed her in one way to preserve her innocence, she was not innocent. She still had pride. She still had vanity. She still was jealous of some of the sisters or inordinately hurt by some of the things that they said or did. She held grudges. And yet she looked at that as the means of her salvation. And she saw and developed her little way of loving those people in her life who were hurting her by offering her service in the kitchen for that one sister, by smiling at the sister who cut her down with her words constantly. Those little things that she did with great love, she found in the redemption that comes from Jesus, in that life of continuous conversion that we're all called to, that it was her brokenness that was the place where she could love other people. And when we all come to Jesus, that is what he does for each and every one of us. Jesus comes to us in our brokenness. I've never felt more unworthy in my life and more confused than when the provincial called me and said, Patrick, I'm sending you to Indiana University to be one of the priests there. Because all of the brokenness in my life, all of the things that I would rather move on from, happened when I was in college. And yet God loves us so much that he says, okay, you've had healing. You're not all the way whole. But I want you to be able to bring healing to those same areas where you are broken. And what a powerful and wonderful life that is. To be called to that life of continuous conversion and even finding our areas of greatest shame and guilt and frustration and confusion, the place where God is going to bring us to himself. But what's the key? What holds that all together? How can we do this? And the answer is in that second reading from the letter to the Philippians. One of the greatest passages in all of Scripture. What is the key? Humility. Acting like Jesus, who as St. Paul says, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself taking the form of a slave. And we are called to be like that, to choose the lower path, to choose to overcome our brokenness and our pride, to choose to step into those things, to live in that reality of humility. And humility is nothing other than this. It's truth. Humility is recognizing I'm a sinner, but I'm also redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's also recognizing that at any moment I could lose my salvation or I could fall off the path. It's recognizing that I'm worthy of God's love, but in order to be loved, I need to give my love away. I find myself not by hoarding love, but by giving love. This is the path of humility. This is the path of continuous conversion. This is what we're called to because all of us in some way, shape, or form have said no to the invitation to follow Jesus perfectly. And yet he invites us again and again and again. And that's the beautiful part of this life of humility and conversion and grace is that every moment is the moment of falling in love with Jesus more deeply. I hope that each and every one of us can point to a moment in our life where we truly knew God's love for us. And made the decision to live for him. If you haven't, please join a Bible study or go on the retreat or come and talk with one of the priests. But if you have, it's a powerful moment. And you go back to it again and again and again. 
But the life of humility recognizes that every moment is that life of conversion. Every person is that soul, perhaps, that I've been sent here to share the gospel with. Every time I go to confession, that's the time that my life will change forever. Living in that humility of recognizing my brokenness, but trusting in the goodness of God. And when we live that life, we start to see what Father Mike was pointing at to me many years ago. We start to see that, well, I'm not as good as I thought I was, but I'm also not as bad. And I'm better than I was, but I'm not as good as I could be and will be with Christ Jesus. Because we have to be willing to be obedient. What was Jesus obedient to? We hear in that letter to the Philippians, to death on a cross. We have to be willing, each and every one of us, to do the will of the Father. To turn from our brokenness. To not let that weigh us down, but to choose the freedom that comes from the love of God. Because none of us are slaves. All of us have been set free. It's not easy. We heard in the prophet Ezekiel that the ways of the Lord are not fair. I was, going to be a P- I was going to go get a PhD. I was going to be a nerdy professor. I was going to be the priest that taught in seminary for my entire life and knew all the Greek and Latin and had little quips in Greek and Latin for everybody. And everyone was going to think I was weird. And that was going to be my life. And I was going to be so happy doing that. It's not fair that the provincial called me and said, uh, you're going to be pastor in Bloomington three years after ordination. It's not fair that six months into the first, uh, my first year as pastor, the world shut down with the pandemic? None of that is fair. But guess what? God's love overcomes all of that. And that's what we're called to live in. Not this fight constantly of what's fair or what's easy or if you get this, then I get that. But living in the love of Jesus. I'm one of four sons. I have two sisters also. But the boys did all of the yard work. And my brother Michael would always say, it's not fair that the girls don't have to work. And my dad said, you're right. It isn't fair, but that's not the point. Get outside. Get to work. That's what sets us free. Now my brother has a house, and he can take care of his wife and his child, right? Because why? Because life isn't fair. Because God's love calls us to a higher level. God's love calls us to imitate his love. And in following that, and in not worrying about, and it's everyone else pulling their weight, but all of us doing the best that we can with the graces that we can, we can go to an even higher realm and a greater freedom because we're living as we're meant to live, not for this world, but for the life to come. And so I ask you tonight and this week, where are those areas in your life that you need to be humble. When a deacon, a priest, and a bishop are ordained, right before they're ordained, right before the, the consecrating bishop lays hands on the head of that man, what do they do? They prostrate themselves in the middle of the sanctuary. It's an image of laying down their life so that they can live for the gospel. What are we, what are you being called to lay down this week? How can you lay down your life so as to grow in humility and so as to open your heart to living in the freedom of being a beloved son, a beloved daughter of God 
the Father. Each one of us is called to this. This life of conversion, this life of humility, this life of grace. And it all starts by being obedient, by laying down and letting the grace of God renew us, convert us, and lift us up.